welcome to A Voice for the Voiceless, a podcast about endangered species. I am your host, Jenny Sisler, coming to you very late on a night that I don't usually record. It's 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. And for episode 10, which I can't believe I've already had a 10 episodes, I wanted to discuss with you... Um, a group of creatures that are so enigmatic it's so quiet and so small you wouldn't even know that you, they were around you if you were in their environment and the creatures in question are Oahu tree snails and as I titled this episode these poor creatures epitomize the saying that if it weren't for bad luck you'd have no luck at all um, they've been pretty pretty much up against it for a lot of their existence um, so, they're tiny, uh, they live above 1,600 feet, so, you know, since the Hawaiian Islands are just mountains, mountainous, uh, terrain, they live in the tops of the mountains, in the trees, uh, they're nocturnal, and they feed on tree fungus that grows on the leaves of all these native trees. Um, they have very low fertility and uh, slow growth rates, um, but what I can't quite wrap my mind around, and I really need to do further research into this because I find it fascinating, they bear live young, one at a time. Most snails, most all of the snails worldwide lay eggs, but these tree snails bear live young which I find fascinating because I can't quite imagine how something as small as an inch long snail gives birth to a live baby, but uh, they do. Um, they live well into their teens, um, but they give birth to less than 10 offspring a year. So the tree snail kind of suffers from its own biology in the same way the Atlantic halibut does because um, they cannot reproduce fast enough to repopulate species and protect themselves from endangerment. So that's kind of a similarity to what we discussed last week. Um, and I have a statistic written here that says globally 40% of all snails and slugs have gone extinct since 1500, which that's a massive amount of creatures. I can't, that kind of defies logic in my brain to think about that only in a little over 400 years almost half of all these creatures have died. Um, now the Oahu tree snails were originally harvested for their shells because the shells were used in traditional Hawaiian lays but uh, that practice thankfully stopped when people realized that it was endangering the snail populations but the one main reason why these uh, beautiful snails are endangered now can be traced to the appearance in Hawaii of one of the quite honestly most creepy and revolting creatures I have ever seen. And I don't get skeeved out easily by anything in nature really except spiders. I'm terribly arachnophobic, but most other things don't really freak me out much. I mean, you know, worms and grubs and caterpillars and 
beetles and all kinds of things. Most things don't bother me. But the one that does is the giant African snail. And they are endemic to Kenya and Tanzania. So as an aside, when I've, I've heard Stephanie Powers say that she loves to sleep outside under the stars, and I'm sure she sleeps outside quite a bit in Kenya when she's there, when the weather's good, and I'm thinking, oh my God, if I tried to sleep outside knowing that an 8-inch long and 4-inch diameter snail was crawling up a tree somewhere next to me, I would just not be able to sleep. But... So the uh, giant African snails uh, are a terribly invasive species. They have been um, found in Florida. In fact, a lot of Floridians are trying to fight them uh, because not only do they eat over 500 different kinds of plants and vegetables, they also eat stucco. And what are most homes in Florida and Hawaii made out of but stucco? So I would assume the how they ended up in Hawaii was probably stowaway on a cargo ship or something. That's usually how these things happen. Well, to counter these giant African snails that are so destructive, um, scientists decided to introduce another snail into the wild that could prey upon these African snails. And so in 1955, they introduced the rosy wolf snail into the ecosystem. Now, the rosy wolf snail is endemic to the southeast United States, but that's the only place it's found. And so it was considered an invasive species when it was introduced into Hawaii. But at the time, it was thought that it would just go after the giant African snails. Well... If you were a small snail and you were trying to take out something that was two or three times bigger than you were, and you found prey that was a lot smaller than you were, wouldn't you go for the smaller prey? I know I would. I know I would. So the problem became that the rosy wolf snail became the Oahu tree snail's largest predator. And the tree snails have been almost wiped out because of this. Um, there are other predators. There are Jackson's chameleons and certain breeds of rats and squirrels well, in Hawaii that also eat these snails. But primarily it's the rosy wolf snail is the culprit. So I can understand why they thought that the only thing they could do was introduce a predator to take out the giant African snails. But it just goes to show that we can't predict what nature's going to do. We don't know. So if we're thinking we can, we can think like a snail and think, oh yeah, go over here and kill this one, but leave the rest of them alone. Mother Nature's always going to outsmart us every time we try to do something like this. You know, I mean, the rosy wolf snail should be the best bioweapon in the fight against giant African snails, but come on, it adapted. It learned how to how to prey upon much smaller snails that couldn't put up a resistance. So that begs the question, well, okay, if this is, you know, because of an invasive species, how the heck do you stop it? Well, there is a group, um, it's called the Snail Ex Extinction Prevention Program. And I found this very interesting. It's a collaboration between U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services the Hawaii Department of Land and Natural Resources, and the University of Hawaii. 
and they have started a captive breeding program. They actually go and bring in all these different kinds of species of snails and do captive breeding. Well, captive breeding is all well and good, but what do you do when you release them? Especially if they're predators, you can't really stop them. Well, what they've done is they have built uh, walled enclosures around the protected habitat areas that they re-release these snails into. And it uh, keeps rosy wolf snails out of the enclosures because they dig a trench and fill it with salt that goes around the, uh, the wall. And anyone who's ever been cruel enough to pour salt on a slug knows salt's gonna kill snails or slugs because they're basically just little bundles of slimy water, for lack of a better way to describe it. And if and anyone who's ever done any cooking knows you, you cook with salt to draw liquid and moisture out of something you're cooking. Well, it's the same thing with the snail. You dump salt on a snail, it's gonna draw the moisture out of it and kill it. So the quickest and easiest way for these scientists to protect the wild tree snails was to just dig trench salt filled trenches around their enclosures and they also built the walls of the enclosures to have somewhat slightly rounded off tops so that jackson's chameleons couldn't climb up and get over into the um, enclosures but it's things like that that will help protect these beautiful little snails um, and that's, there actually isn't a whole lot of information out there about the Oahu tree snails. Um, I will post some research links on my blog uh, to different articles that I found about them. But basically, this is just proof that you have to be very careful when you're introducing an, an invasive species into a new environment. And honestly, you probably shouldn't do that anyway um, because yeah, we can't control mother nature. We can't control what these animals are gonna do. You know, I mean, it's almost like when, you know, the, back in the day when the circus would come to town and the lion tamer would be there. Well, how could you really trust the lion wasn't gonna rip your face off, right? I mean, look at Siegfried and Roy. They, they thought their tigers were uh, as tame as any, anybody could have ever trained them to be, and then Roy almost got killed by, by the, the tiger. So you have to be very careful when you start messing around with Mother Nature and trying to introduce predators that don't normally exist in a certain place. Um, and I think that the snail extermination prevention program is a step in the right direction but i think scientists everywhere need to learn from the mistakes that were made with the rosy wolf snail so that hopefully in the future um humans won't be creating these kind of problems for such amazing creatures because snails really are amazing i don't know i think they're so cool i mean they carry their home around on their back which brings me to a point it's not germane to the discussion here so i'm not going to say anything about it but just google how do snails get their shells um long story short is they make them themselves 
um, and they cannot live without their shells like the way a hermit crab or something can um, or even a sea snail can so if you're interested in that I suggest you google it because it is a fascinating topic but until then I'm gonna call this a night and I am going to uh, start this week's uh, research in a little while for the next podcast and until next week I remind you that you can you too can be a voice for the voiceless bye for now